Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. We're going to get right into where we uh, left off last week. You'll remember we had our first installment of the message, Overcoming Emotional Strongholds. And uh, many of you were saying and telling me at the end of last week, come on, Pastor James, I want to know part two. What's the cure? What's the answer to when we're held hostage by our emotions? And so we're going to dive right into that now this morning. And we're going to ask God for the blessing on his word. So we thank you, Father, for the word of God. We pray it would be quick and powerful today, that it would enter our hearts and lives and it would change us, mold us, make us, shape us in the powerful name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. So last week, church, what we discovered was that uh, our emotional strongholds are actually at the root of it is this three letter word that the world hates. It's called sin, S-I-N. And this is what happened in the, the origins of how emotions were turned upside down in the Garden of Eden as the serpent slithered into that garden and began to deceive Adam and Eve. And they bought into the lies of the devil. And as a result, they experienced shame. They were naked and they knew it. They experienced fear. They were afraid of the Lord. And so they hid themselves in the garden when he was there. Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve's sons, uh, they too experienced the emotional turmoil until Cain was so enraged that he took Abel's life. And, uh, And we see that anger and murder entered the hearts of mankind. And so we see that the root cause of our emotional strongholds is sin. My sin, your sin, somebody else's sin the atmosphere of the world that we live in today. And this is what causes our emotions to be turned upside down and sometimes taking our lives hostage, frustrations, fear, uh, not allowing the Spirit of God into our lives until we find our steps being ordered and directed by our emotions rather than by what we know the right thing is to do. So, uh, this morning, uh, we also remind ourselves that that the root cause or the root source of these emotional strongholds are sometimes from the past. Sometimes our growing up years, we find that uh, things happen to us when we're younger and they create incredible pain in our lives. And as a result, our 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 emotions are held hostage uh, all these years, sometimes for decades in people's lives before they can get the help. Maybe it's something that you're going through in the present. Right now, your emotions are in turmoil. Now, that's not surprising with what we're experiencing in the world today. This COVID-19 has turned the world into a roller coaster of emotions. And I'm sure, like me, many of you have felt that this week. As, uh, as we have seen uh, almost daily, hourly updates from the government about what's going on in our nation and around the world. Or perhaps you've been held emotional hostage with the many fears that people have, fear of the future. They're afraid of what's going to happen. And even in the current climate, so many people are afraid that they're doing all sorts of crazy things, stripping supermarket shelves of food products, buying up toilet rolls by the truckload, and nobody else can access these things. And I I really feel it this season for the elderly. 
you know, mentally elderly people who, who can't get out into the supermarkets and they don't have loved ones around them and they're the most susceptible to this virus. We need to look after our elderly and take care of them as many of them right now will be afraid. So church, let's rise up and be the church into our community. So what's the cure to these emotional strongholds? Well, I can tell you one thing today. We're not going to find a cure by denying that we have these emotional strongholds within our life. And often that's what we do. We bury our head in the sand with an ostrich syndrome and we deny all culpability within our lives. And we just say there's nothing wrong with what's happening. We won't get a cure for these emotional strongholds in our life by overriding them, by finding other things that seem a little bit stronger, distractions in order to take our attention off what's going on uh, within our lives. For example, you can buy yourself, wait up in the queue and get a whole lot of king size chocolate bars, go home and sit down and binge on Netflix for a day and try and and try and distract yourself from what's going on in your mind and in your life at this moment in time. And, and, and you'll find that at the end of that, you'll put on a whole lot of calories. At the end of that, you'll get sick of watching that square box uh, in the lounge. And not only that, but the problem is still there when said and done. And we, what we often do is that we often look for a substitute comfort to ease ourselves of the discomfort of the emotional strongholds that we're struggling with, and it just becomes an overwhelming distraction, but it doesn't solve the issue today. So I want, first of all, for us to get a cure and an answer to this, we need to understand how our emotions work. Brothers and sisters, emotions don't have intellect. Emotions are dumb. They have to borrow thoughts in order to emote. Emotions can never feel anything without, first of all, having a thought. In other words, our thoughts create the emotional response that of what's going on in our heads. Emotions respond to what we think. So therefore, if emotions respond to our thought life, whoever is controlling your thoughts gets to control your emotions. And then they get to control how you are feeling. Did you hear that? That means that our emotions are piggybacking off our thoughts. So whoever is controlling the thoughts and the emotions, they are controlling how or what emotions are expressing themselves within our lives. That's big. If the devil is controlling your, your thinking, then he will be able to control your feelings and your emotions. On the other hand, if God is in control, of your thinking, then you get God to be able to control your responses and your emotions as such. So it's simple. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, and we've known this for a long time, as long as we've been reading the Bible, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why Jesus said you will know the truth. And when we know the truth, it enters into our heart and it begins to challenge the strongholds that we have emotionally within our lives. Now, some of you are just beginning as a young Christian to understand your identity in Christ Jesus. 
And as you begin to learn that you're no longer in Adam, our first parent, but you've been transferred into the Son, into Jesus Christ. And as you're transferred into the Son, into Jesus Christ, you get to begin to understand that you no longer have to be held hostage by your old Adamic nature, the sinful nature. You can now break free of that and break free of the subsequent negative, disturbing emotions within your life as you are be beginning to focus on uh, the truth that Jesus brings into our life. Let me give you an example. Let's just say you've got no transport right now and you want to solve the transport problem within your life. I'm sure there's some of you out there that are saying, yes, amen. Thank you, Lord, for that car. Thank you for that bike that's going to give me transport. So you go to the bank and you ask them, uh, the criteria for the loan and they say yes you qualify for the loan so you fill out all the subsequent paperwork and then they tell that they're gonna they tell you that they're gonna phone you shortly and get back to you on your application well lo and behold they ring you back and they say I'm sorry you don't qualify we cannot lend you the money immediately you sulk you pout you stamp your feet, you walk around, you get mad at them. They said that you could have the loan and now they're saying that you can't. And it, and it evokes an emotional response within your life. The only problem is, is that somebody was reading the wrong uh, application form and five minutes later they ring you back apologetic and they say I'm really sorry sir we, we got mixed up with another application uh, your loan uh, it, it, it qualifies and we can lend you the money to buy the car and straight away you go from deep depression into joy and happiness so what's the deal friends here's the deal and this is how our emotions work the deal is simply this is that is that when we park our mind on wrong information, as this person did as they went for their loan, they were fed back wrong information. It evoked an emotional response that caused them to emote, to get upset, depressed, sad, angry that they didn't get the loan, only to find out that they'd been fed the wrong information. And so friends, here it is. Here's part of the cure and part of the answer is that what wrong information, what direction have you been focusing your mind on what have you been looking at what have you been uh, turning your focus and, and attention upon in terms of what you're looking at what you're allowing into your uh, into your eye gate your your ear gate that's causing a, a raft of emotions to respond to wrong information change the information source and you change the emotional response within our lives Praise God. And you might say, well, the guy shouldn't have lied to me. Well, I want to tell you something right now. The devil lied to Adam and Eve right at the beginning. Did God really say you should not touch the fruit in the middle of the garden and cause them to begin to doubt through his lying, conniving ways? And I want to tell you something. The devil is an expert at lying. He's been lying now for thousands of years. He's the master of lies. Jesus said he's the father of all lies. And as a result of him being the father of all lies, he becomes a great expert at filling our minds with misinformation, wrong information, with lies and deception in order 
to evoke an emotional response because we're not living by the truth or on the truth. And as a result, we find ourselves trapped and held hostage by these emotions because the devil is the father of all lies and he will continue to lie to your face black and blue in order to control you like a puppet on a string and cause your emotions to run away like a freight train. And I want to make a statement this morning, a sticky statement. When his lie, the devil's lie, becomes your truth, you will feel his feelings and you will begin to, begin to understand how unpleasant that experience really is. Let me say that to you again. When his lie, the devil's lie, becomes your truth, you will begin to feel what he wants you to feel instead of what God wants you to feel. Have you ever seen cockroaches that are, that are walking around an open ground in the dark, then suddenly you turn on the light and they just scatter as the light comes on? Well, that's what happens to us when we've been buying into these lies from the enemy, those little cockroach lies that he's been festering and implanting into our minds. And as a result of that, uh, when the light comes, the light of God's Word comes, when God switches the light source on and the truth source into our minds, suddenly those cockroaches and those lies, they vanish and they scatter out of our minds. Praise God for the victory that we have. This is why Proverbs says this, Proverbs 23, 23, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Satan and his little cockroaches can't handle it when you come at this thing from what God says instead of what the devil says and how he's making us feel captured by his lies, causing all these emotions to bind our lives up. For example, let me, let, let's talk about Goliath for a minute. Yes, Goliath was a giant of a man. Scripture says he was about nine and a half feet tall. Now that's a big man. Stephen Adams, the NBA player, he's seven foot one and he's a giant. When he walks in the room, everybody else is made to feel small. Well, Goliath was another two feet taller than Stephen Adams. And the Israelites looked at him and they saw his size and in their mind, they had already become defeated. And then this young 17-year-old shepherd boy goes to visit his brothers to bring them cheese and bread from Mama. And as he's there, Goliath comes out and taunts the nation. And David gets extremely angry. And he, he also sees how, how big Goliath is. But instead of being afraid of him, he said, this guy is so big, I cannot help but hit him. I'll never miss a guy that is so big like this. And eventually he takes on the giant and he brings the giant down. It's a case of perspective, of thinking in our mind, God thoughts, as young David did that day. He said, you will not defy the armies of the living God. And he came out against Goliath with a sling and a stone. And he took that giant down because he said, you're so big, I can't miss you. What a story of perspective. And you know, what about Jonah? Jonah is uh, an interesting story. Jonah was a prophet that saw something that most of the Old Testament prophets never got to see. He saw a city-wide revival in a pagan city called Nineveh. And, and Jonah was depressed 
And get a load of this. He was depressed at the fact that God saved people's lives. He said, if I go and tell them to repent, God, they're going to repent. You're going to have mercy on them. They're going to be saved. I'm so depressed. Hasn't Jonah got this thing upside down? Hasn't He's got this all the way around the wrong way. And, and, and as a result of that, he's sad and he's depressed because God has to come to him and confront him and say, Jonah, you're thinking like the devil. You've brought into the devil's lies. I love people. I don't want to destroy people. And you're sad at the fact that I'm giving these guys another chance. Come on, Jonah, snap out of it. You've got these things and thoughts around the wrong way. You see, Jesus said these words in John 16, 33. And we're going to park on this just for a moment because this is incredibly powerful, church. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In this world, Jesus was saying, you will have tribulation. And this is the truth. And I'd be lying. Anybody else would be lying to you. Talking about believers all around the world, many of our brothers and sisters around the world are facing severe tribulation under authorities that have no room for followers of Jesus Christ. And they've been suffering for decades. And Jesus warned us. He said, if you follow me, you're going to have trouble. That's what the word tribulation means. There's going to be trouble in this world. Don't accept this gospel that says, Come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. Life is a bed of roses. Friends, come to Jesus and your problems just get started. But the second half of this verse is what we really need to discover in this message this morning. He goes on to say, But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. What kind of chat is this, Jesus? One minute you're telling me, I've, I've got tribulation, I've got trouble coming to my door. Next minute, you're telling me that I should be of good cheer, that I should be joyful. And then you tell me the reason why. You're saying, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your troubles. Don't look at the tribulation that's on your doorstep, the COVID-19 virus that's around the world. He says, I want you to understand something today that's a truth. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. I've overcome death. I've overcome hell. I've overcome the sinful nature. I have overcome. And because I have overcome, you can be happy. You can be of good cheer because the truth of the matter versus the lies is that I'm the conqueror. I'm the one that's holding the keys to hell and death. And today you have victory in your life because I've already won the victory on your behalf. Praise God. Give him an amen this morning. This is the secret for us today of not being bound any longer with our emotional strongholds. Despite everything that's happening in the world right now, the trouble, the turmoil, the financial freefall that's happening around about us, you can choose the opposite spirit. Jesus said, tribulations here, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. He is the ultimate winner in this battle between good and evil today. Praise the Lord this morning. Well, someone might be saying to me this morning, but Pastor James, uh, Jesus hasn't overcome anything for me in my life. Uh, it's all just downhill for me. And I want to remind you today that 
our circumstances can sometimes be so deceptive uh, within our lives. Romans 12 verse 19 tells us when we're going through difficulties and we're looking for that victory within our life and it seems like nobody is seeing what we're seeing. And, and this is what uh, Paul told the church at Rome. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You know, the front end of this verse, verse 19 of chapter 12 in Romans, says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Don't take justice into your own hands, but rather let go of your anger. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Let me put it like this. You know, here in New Zealand, our national sport is rugby. All sport is it's all up in the air now. Professional sport has been hit by this virus all around the world, but that's by and by. But in rugby, you see, you have the match referee who's on the field, one referee. Then you have the uh, sideline referees. And now, because of modern technology, we have the TMO, the television match officials. And when the ref hasn't seen an incident on the field, he refers to the TMO and the TMO then use slow motion technology to see if they can pick up the offense on a replay and then share back down to the referee on his microphone down on the paddock what they have seen. And I want to tell you something, friends. Sometimes when it seems like injustices have happened to our lives, sometimes when it seems like life is unfair, I want to tell you that God is the just referee. And I want to tell you, he is a TMO. He has angels all around. He has his he has his he has his television match officials who see everything in slow motion, who know every angle, who see every replay. And I want to tell you that even though your injustices may not be avenged today, I want to tell you there's coming a day when they will be avenged, when those things that have happened in your life, when those things that have bound you up emotionally, and you're saying today, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. I want to tell you something. Vengeance is His. The Lord will repay every injustice that has ever happened in your life. Praise God today. So let's be of good cheer because heaven is recording it all and vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He shall repay. Justice will be done. The devil never gets the last say within our lives this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, as we, as we look at finishing this message today, I want to tell you what Jonah actually did do in the midst of all of his trouble. He knew when he was on that boat that he was the cause of that storm that was happening on those seas. The sailors were seasoned sailors. They were so frightened of this tempest and storm. They rocked up that they began to say, what's the cause? Is there anyone on the ship that's caused this to happen? And Jonah comes forward and so they decide to chuck him overboard uh, as a result of him being the problem because he was on the run from God. And, and, and in this story, they throw him overboard and God prepares this giant fish, a whale to come and pick Jonah up. And he's inside the belly of that whale. And this is what it says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, when he's inside that whale, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came into you, into your holy temple. 
Jonah has a saving moment in that moment where he's thinking, this is it. My life is gone. He chooses to remember the Lord. He chooses to look in God's direction. He chooses to focus in on the Lord and not to forget the Lord, but to remember the Lord and remember his promises. Glory be to God today. And he was saying, even though I can't see you, Lord, even though I can't feel you, my soul is giving out on me. My emotions are a wrecking ball, but I choose to remember you. I remembered the Lord. Are you doing that today in the midst of the turmoil that's going on around the world today? I want you to do this one thing this morning. Remember the Lord. Remember that if God is for you, who can be against you? Praise His wonderful name. And you know what? God did hear His cry in the midst of the belly of that great fish. Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Praise the Lord. What a great deliverance. All because Jonah did one thing. He changed direction. And instead of going, woe, uh, woe is me. He turned to the Lord and he remembered the Lord and God's power in his life. And God delivered him out of the mouth of that sea creature. What about King David? Psalm 42. Verse one, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. It sounds like here everything is okay. It sounds like uh, the psalmist is in a good mood and having a great time. He's panting after God. He's chasing God. But I want to tell you, everything is not okay because we get to read the rest of the psalm. And as we look down to verse 3 of Psalm 42, my tears have been my food day and night. This psalmist who's writing this, all is not well with his soul. He's depressed. He's so depressed that his tears, constant tears and sadness have been his food. He's in a state of deep depression. Verse five, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? His soul is not in good shape. He goes on to say, why are you disquieted within me? His feelings are all over the shop. So he makes a decision. He's going to remember God too. He makes a decision that he's going to get God's help. He's going to look in God's direction. He's going to look towards the Lord and remember the Lord just like Jonah did. And look at the verses further down. Verse 8, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He begins to encourage himself in the Lord. He begins to direct his mind towards the truths of God's word. That God will command his loving kindness toward me. He's not going to forget me that He will give me a song of praise in the night hours. You know, often at nighttime, everything seems so bleak. Everything seems so dark. And the psalmist says, God, you're going to give me a song of praise in the middle of the night. You're not going to let this cloud of blackness and darkness to hover over my soul. You're going to help me praise you in the good times. You're going to help me reach out to you, even in those darkest times in the night hours. Whoa, praise the Lord. He says, I'm going to get into prayer mode because he is the God of my life. Amen. Verse 11 of Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. 
He's now directing his thoughts. He's not allowing his motions to be those, that runaway freight train. That's just things are getting out of control. He's not going to allow the depression and the sadness to continue. And he begins to take authority over his thought life. He begins to command his mind to put hope in God and for God's countenance, the happy countenance of the Lord will become his countenance. Friends, it's time to look in God's direction today. It's time to refocus your mind. It's time to no longer allow yourself to be that puppet on a string, thinking wrong thoughts, thinking the devil's thoughts and then experiencing the devil's feelings within your life, a whole unpleasant conundrum that we get ourselves into. And I want to remind you again, you know, when the devil's lie becomes your truth, you will feel his feelings and you will feel the bite of those emotional strongholds within your life. Does anyone remember what Joseph of the Old Testament called his two sons when he settled in Egypt? His first one, Manasseh, he says, uh, he calls him Manasseh after going through a lifetime of pain. Do you know what that word means? It means the Lord has helped me to forget. Wow. Everything that Joseph went through. He was totally innocent and yet he was put in jail for around 13 years. He lived a terribly, uh, what would have been a depressed life for many, but Joseph never allowed it to get on top of him. You know, in the midst of that prison cell, he became the head of all the prisoners. He became the chief administrator inside that prison. He used his gifts to work for God in a difficult situation because he refused to park his mind in those dungeons and in those dark prison times and cells. He refused to allow his mind to be parked in the wrong direction, thinking the devil's thoughts, satanic thoughts. And instead, he turned his mind to the Lord today. Praise God. How come he was able to do all this, friends? Because he took authority over his thought life. When he met his brothers after all those years, and he was now the prime minister of Egypt, he was the second most powerful man in the nation, and his brothers came to him. And when he saw his brothers, he was so emotional about it. He had to go and, hi he had to go and hide away in a room and he wept bitterly, the Bible says. And then he cleared his face and he went back out to see his brothers. And then he said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And God can bring good out of every situation. Joseph would not allow himself to be buried by all the bad emotional experiences that took place in his life. Praise the Lord. And you know, you know, when we're going through a season like this, I just want to point out today how vital and how important it is that we lean on one another, that we encourage one another, that we love one another, that we look out for our brothers and our sisters, that we take care of the widows, the elderly, that we, that we still gather together in house to house in seasons like this. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaking together the assembly of yourselves as is the habit of son, some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, we need each other. We need the church. We need to point our lives in God's direction, God's thoughts, God's way, God's truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Praise God. And you know, when you're going through something tough, you know, even in church, sometimes you can find wrong advice. 
Make sure if you're going through a challenging time in your life, don't look for the guy who's already divorced his wife and he's out looking for the next wife and the divorce papers have hardly been signed. Look for somebody who was on the brink of divorce and they've, by God's grace, they've been able to turn it around and God has moved within their life. Get the right advice in your life and take a hold of God's thoughts. Look in God's direction. You remember the children of Israel? It was only all of those that were under the age of 20 that ended up crossing into the promised land. Do you know why? Because the nation took the wrong information by the wrong report. Ten spies, ten spies out of the 12. Only two of them gave a good report. And 10 of them gave a bad report, said there's giants in the land. If we go in there, they're going to waste us. They're going to smash us. They're going to do us over. And they created mass hysteria. You see that? They created the thought and the, emotion, and, and the emotional uh, feedback from the nation was tears and hysteria. Hysteria like we're seeing here with the COVID-19 virus. Friends, they brought into a bad report. I tell you, we've got to change our thinking and buy into a good report. Caleb and Joshua said, we are more than able to go up and take the land. So I want to encourage you to go and take the land that God has for you. Don't listen to those bad reports. Don't listen to those unjust criticisms. Don't allow people to pull you down. Don't allow the pain of the past to bury you in this present day that we're in today. They listened to those who couldn't see God rather than those who could. Who are you looking to today as we finish this message? Who is pulling the strings over your life? Have you found yourself going off the handle, going into irrational behavior, where these strongholds are just beginning to surround you like the bulls of Bashan surrounded Christ at the cross? Are you finding yourself teary? Are you finding yourself being bound by fear, fear of the future, fear of what's happening in the world today. I want to tell you it's time to come running to God. It's time to pant after God. It's time to chase God down and look in His direction. It's time to be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. It's time to replace those thoughts that have been causing you emotional turmoil and begin to bring the right thoughts into your mind and allow Jesus Christ to begin to turn things around. Lord, my tears have been my food day and night, but I'm not calling it quits here. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue even though I've been suffering, even though things have been difficult. I'm not going to take my eyes off you, Jesus, in these last days. I'm going to keep looking to the Lord. Look to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the name of the Lord. I want to finish by reading Psalm 27 verses 2 to 5. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us today to no longer look in the wrong direction and be controlled like a puppet on a string. 
It's time for us to look in God's direction. It's time for us to buy the truth and not sell it, sell out to the devil and to his lies. It's time today to put on the new man and put off the old man. It's time today to walk in Christ, to live and move and have our being in Him, in Jesus Christ today. It's time to find a good report. Not people who, don't listen to people who can't see God. Listen to people who can see God. Let them encourage you. Let them fill your mind with right thoughts and see your emotional world and those strongholds being broken off your life. It's time to no longer allow the enemy to control your thoughts. Remember when the enemy's lies become your truth, you get his feelings. And so today I'm praising God and I'm thanking God for each and every one of you there today. And I'm going to begin to pray a prayer for you as we close this up today. And if there are people here watching uh, live on the internet, people that are watching, this message today or listening to this message, I want to tell you right now that Jesus Christ loves you, that Jesus Christ had a plan for you that he executed over 2000 years ago. He gave up his life. He hung on the cross. He died for your sins. He paid the full price and penalty of the weight of your wrongdoing. And he took it freely upon himself that you can be set free from your sin. So I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. If you have not, then do not delay. Today is the day. Now is the time. This is the day of salvation, says the Lord. And so I want to encourage you today to pray this prayer with me to receive Jesus Christ into your life. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. I know that you gave your life for me, that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved by grace your free gift of righteousness. Therefore, I repent today. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. And I ask you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life, to take up residence in my body. I receive you as my Savior today. And I ask you, Lord, to take the steering wheel and take control of my life and lead me into this unknown future, knowing that you're the God of that who knows what's ahead in the unknown, that you will lead me into truth, that you will guide my life, that you will fill me with your power today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me. And I thank you for making me a child of God. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer right now, then I want to tell you that you've just received Jesus. You've become a child of God. Praise God. The angels in heaven are having a party over your life tonight. So I worship the Lord. I thank him today for what he's doing in all your lives. And remember, change direction today. Don't look to the old Adam. Don't look to the pain of the past. Don't allow your emotions to direct you. Change your thinking and you will change your life. In the mighty name of Jesus, God bless you.